Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Charts with Dan here on YouTube. And for the first time, audio listeners can also hear the show on the Dan Merle podcast channel. If you like watching me on YouTube, but you want the on-the-go version, or if you just like the audio uh, experience, you can now get this show each and every week on my podcast channel. You can find the links down there in the description below. So for those of you that are usual YouTube viewers and are joining us for the first time on audio, or if you are a first-time listener on the podcast network, Thank you very much and welcome. While the show is a visual in that we have charts, I'm going to try to do my best to make sure that it is also something that uh, our audio listeners can follow along with as well. Let's turn to No Time to Die, the 25th James Bond film, the final film starring Daniel Craig. And it's been very interesting to kind of chart what exactly or how exactly this movie did because I've seen coverage in the press, people that, that follow the box office and report, etc., going from it's a solid debut to it's a disappointing debut to it's a soft debut so there's a lot of different things to break down with this opening weekend number we're also going to look at the four-day numbers that's why we're doing the show on Tuesday there was a holiday weekend here in the United States this past weekend so we're going to look at the four-day numbers we're also going to break down bond films of years past the streaming charts of course lots of stuff coming up but let's start with the three-day weekend for no time to die this is the one that goes into the record books and there we see the official James Bond number at 55 million two hundred and twenty five thousand and seven dollars there is a tradition that they often do uh, when they're reporting the studios reporting James Bond numbers they end it with a 007 so we have a 007 at the end of the gross there the estimate that a lot of people were looking at was around 60 million dollars so it opened a little bit below what was estimated for the film it had a good Thursday night preview opening uh, and then grosses fell uh, a little bit over the weekend one good piece of news is that it charts in the top five openings for 2021 it is now the fifth largest opening film of the year it displaces a quiet place part two so we keep uh, updating this chart as movies come back to theaters but the question remains just how well the movie actually did and when we look at that 55 million dollars I think there's a lot of different things that we have to take into consideration number one this isn't a case like Venom Let There Be Carnage last weekend where it's an unqualified success and we don't really have to add anything other than the movie made a lot of money there's a lot of things still to track with this but when you look at No Time to Die there are a few important distinctions to a movie like Venom Let There Be Carnage and why even though that movie did so well it may not have been uh, the right thing to 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 think that that success was going to translate again to No Time to Die. The first one being this movie is nearly double the length of Venom Let There Be Carnage. Uh, it's almost three hours long, I think over three hours long, with previews, etc. That means not only are you going to probably cut down on any repeat business, because I think it's less likely that somebody's going to go back on the opening weekend to see a three-hour movie again versus Venom, where it's an hour and a half. It also means you can, you can show the movie fewer times every day uh you know whereas a theater could maybe get four or five showings of Venom Let There Be Carnage into a day or more, they may only be doing two or three showings of No Time to Die. I know that my local theater, which actually isn't yet running all the way up to 100%, they only do shows from about three o'clock onward every day, was only showing No Time to Die maybe two times uh, uh, this weekend or three, depending on the, how the timing worked out. Uh, so you have fewer show times available. Also, when you look at No Time to Die, one of the first movies to be delayed, it was literally weeks, days away, from being released when things were uh, pushed back in 2020. So some might say, oh, okay, well, it's one of the most hotly anticipated because it's one of the longest delayed. And I think that there's there's some relevance to that. But also keep in mind that the buzz started for this movie and it started being sold 
two years ago. So I think there could have been sort of an also-ran feeling about this film. Maybe some of that early excitement had worn off because it's been two years since they kicked off the marketing campaign for this film. I think that might have kept some people away. But the biggest thing is when you look at these films, and not all films are created equal. Yes, No Time to Die and Venom Let There Be Carnage are both part of a franchise. They're both rated PG-13. However, when you look at the demographics of the No Time to Die audience, according to Variety, 57% of the people who bought a ticket to No Time to Die this weekend were over the age of 35. Bond is skewing older. We have an older actor in the part. It's an older franchise. It's been around for over 50 years. We're now going on uh, six years that Bond has been around. So you're not skewing younger like Venom Let There Be Carnage. The reports on that said that the vast majority of people last week who went to see Venom Let There Be Carnage were under 35, two-thirds or more. What does that mean, particularly when you talk about the opening weekend of No Time to Die? Well, when you have a base of moviegoers that are older, number one, uh, research has shown that they are more worried about COVID. They're more worried about returning to theaters. A lot of the people that they surveyed this weekend said that No Time to Die was the first time they'd return to theaters. So they are more reticent to go to movies. They're slower to return. And they're less likely, pandemic or no pandemic, to rush out on the first weekend that a movie is open. That's another thing that research has shown. Younger audience generally will go out and see a movie as quickly as they can Older audiences may give it a week or two, or sometimes even three, so you don't see the drop-offs that you might often see with uh, these younger skewing movies. And that's why I say that the story domestically hasn't yet been written on No Time to Die, because I really think that what we're going to look at uh, when we kind of judge how this movie is going to perform over the long term is what is the drop-off? When you look at Venom, Let There Be Carnage, we'll talk about it a little bit more in just a minute, but the drop-off was about 64%. From last weekend, it opened higher, yes, but you also see these steeper drops in week two because so many people tend to go out and see them in the opening weekend. The thing to watch for next weekend for the three days is what is the drop on No Time to Die? I think less than 60% indicates that we may just have a slower to show up audience uh, and that the movie may have uh, legs that could, you know, put a little bit of a bloom on the rose uh, of this debut. If we see a drop that's more than 60%, I think we could could see an indication here that we have a James Bond film that's just not really that appealing to a lot of people, and then the story becomes a little bit different. So this is one of those cases where the story of a film is not written in the first week. It's written in week two. It's written in week three. And I'm going to be tracking the movie going into this upcoming weekend, looking at what is the drop-off going to be? Is that older audience coming out more slowly? That's going to tell us a lot more about the long-term prospects of this movie. So a lot of things still to be written uh, with No Time to Die, but I also wanted to look at the past. I wanted to look at James Bond openings uh, of the past, and of course, we're going to be doing some fun stuff adjusting for inflation because, you know, that's my favorite way to spend a weekend, punching a bunch of numbers into a spreadsheet and adjusting for inflation. So first of all, let's just look at the top five Bond openings of all time. And you see, looking at raw numbers, first of all, Daniel Craig, uh, four of his five films are in the top James Bond opening weekends of all time. At number one is Skyfall. Spectre, the last James Bond film, is at number two. Quantum of Solace, which was Daniel Craig's second James Bond film, is at number three. No Time to Die comes in as the fourth best domestic opening weekend for a James Bond film. And at number five is Pierce Brosnan's final film as James Bond, Die Another Day, which, for my money, is also the worst James Bond movie. So you see here Craig absolutely dominating the domestic 
fantastic numbers, but that's not really so much of a surprise. As we mentioned, he's been in the role for 15 years. So what do we do when we want to try to get some kind of equivalence and, and get a little bit of historical perspective? You know what we do. We adjust for inflation. So let's look at the top five James Bond openings when you adjust for inflation. And you see that there's still very recent films, but it's a little less Craig dominated. So you have Skyfall. If you adjust for inflation back from 2012, that would have been a, a, an opening right around $100 million. Quantum of Solace is number two at an adjusted rate of $84.7 million. Spectre at number three with $75.2 million. Then you have Pierce Brosnan at number four with $72.9 million. And then another Brosnan film, The World Is Not Enough, comes in at $62.9 million. So uh, you have here No Time to Die getting bumped off the chart. You have an additional Pierce Brosnan entry on the top five. So even looking at these domestic numbers, you can see that what Craig has done largely has helped Bond to reach, at least domestically as far as opening weekends, uh, more of a blockbuster status. That's what we're seeing, at least as far as opening weekend numbers go. There's more to say about that. We're going to talk about it in a second. Let's look at the top five James Bond film grosses worldwide and again Daniel Craig dominates this chart Skyfall the only James Bond film to break a billion dollars at number one Spectre at number two Craig's first film Casino Royale making almost 600 million dollars number three worldwide followed by Quantum of Solace uh, just behind Casino Royale at 591 million and then Die Another Day at 431.9 million and again this isn't surprising mostly because uh, the global marketplace for films has changed so much in the last 20 years Daniel Craig has helped take the Bond uh, uh, franchise even more global uh, because more markets have opened up they're starting to market more films globally James James Bond was always a global uh, film icon. It's just that under the Craig era, it's become even more so. And that's what we're also going to look at with No Time to Die. How does it do globally? What is it going to do in a lot of different countries? We still have some key markets, including China, coming up. Let's look at the top five Bond films domestically, the highest grossing Bond films. And again, we see Craig dominance. Skyfall at number one, the only James Bond film to break 300 million. Spectre at number two, which broke $200 million. So even though that wasn't a critically well-regarded movie necessarily, it was a box office success. Quantum of Solace at number three with 169 million. Casino Royale at 167 million. And Die Another Day at 160 million. So four Craigs and a Pierce Brosnan film. But this is where things get very interesting when you adjust for inflation. And this just goes to show the, the power of, of taking a wider view at the box office, because looking at that, you'd say, well, Daniel Craig is the box office king of the bonds. And in the current era, yes, that would be true. However, if you were to adjust for inflation, you see that it is Sean Connery uh, who maintains and took Bond to a wider audience. The 1960s were very kind to James Bond. Adjusted for inflation, Thunderball is the highest grossing domestic James Bond film over $567 million if you took its gross and put it into today's money. At number two, Goldfinger, $495 million. However, Daniel Craig does still land a movie in the highest grossing Bond films of all time, Skyfall, with an adjusted gross of $344.5 million. Then we have another Connery entry, You Only Live Twice, at $323.6 million. And then at number five, Roger Moore enters the list at Moonraker, $256.4 million. That movie came out in 1970 
1979, it kind of holds a unique place in Bond history because at the end of The Spy Who Loved Me in 1977, it was said that the next James Bond film would be for your eyes only. However, after Star Wars came out, they decided to fast track a space-based Bond film. That was Moonraker. Not one of my favorites, but you see coming out in 79, two years after Star Wars, it paid off at the box office, one of the top five highest grossing Bond films domestically of all time. So when you look at the legacy that Daniel Craig is going to leave behind, you're going to look at a legacy of box office grosses. Uh, domestically, you're going to look at a legacy of high grosses. We'll see where No Time uh, to Die falls. Uh, but we're also going to end in a, a very interesting place for Bond. Who knows what's going to come next? They already did basically a reboot of the series when Craig came on board. What's going to happen next? I'm very curious as a Bond fan to find out, and we will see what No Time to Die does in the coming weeks at the box office. Let's look at at the rest of this weekend's top three. So again, these are the Friday through Sunday numbers. Venom, Let There Be Carnage was number two. As I mentioned, it was about a 64% drop off. Uh, not the steepest we've seen, uh, but you know, I would say again, about average, nothing exceptional for that drop off, especially uh, when you look at movies that open as high as Venom did. The Addams Family 2 in its second week, despite being available for premium video on demand, uh, remains in the top five at number three with $10.1 million. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings in its sixth week, stays in the top five with $4.3 million. And then at number five, The Many Saints of Newark in its second week with $1.4 million. So that's the three-day weekend. But as I mentioned, it was a four-day holiday weekend uh, this past week here in the U.S. So let's look at the four-day numbers, and you'll see that Bond adds about $7 million. So there was a, a fairly substantial amount of people that perhaps waited until that Monday holiday to go see No Time to Die. That takes its gross up to $62.1 million. Venom adds a few million. It's at $35.7 million. It added about $4 million uh, yesterday. The Adams Family 2 adds a little bit to its gross. It's at $11.8 million for the four-day weekend. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings breaks $5 million for the holiday weekend. And I don't have a number on the Many Saints of Newark because uh, Warner Brothers is one of those studios that has stopped reporting daily numbers during the week. We only get weekend numbers. However, given the gap between five and six, even if Many Saints of Newark had made no money, it would still be in the top five. So we don't have a final number for that film uh, for the four-day weekend, but it does remain in number five. When we look at the top per theater average, many times it is the big movie that opened and was number one at the box office. That is not the case this weekend. This weekend, the number one movie per theater was The Rescue in five theaters at $13,932 per theater. This is the follow-up from Elizabeth Chai uh, Vassarhelyi and Jimmy Chin. They were Oscar winners for Free Solo, which is a breathtaking documentary film. Uh, this is a documentary about the Tham Luang uh, Cave Rescue in Thailand. So uh, a lot of interest in the very few theaters where this movie was open. Uh, it, it beat No Time to Die on a theater-per-theater theater basis, at least for uh, the three-day weekend. Don't have numbers quite yet for the four-day weekend. Let's look at the specialty box office or the, the limited release box office because that would be where the rescue counts. Now, it wasn't in quite enough theaters to make the top five overall, but it was the top movie per theater. These are all movies that are in 1,000 theaters or fewer. And A24 lands a movie on here. It was actually in the top 10 in 583 theaters, Lamb, which I've heard described as the most A24 movie that A24 has ever released. That makes me even more excited to see it. I'm, I'm going to try to 
see if I can catch it this week or, or at least soon. Uh, tops the $1 million mark. So over a million dollars in limited release under 1,000 theaters. That's a good result for that. At number two is Doctor, which is a film uh, from India. It's in the Tamil language, and it features Indian star, and I'm going to do my best here, Sivakar Thikian who is a, a, a multi-talented star, music star, TV presenter, movie star. Um, we've seen this in the, at the limited box office before, where we have the targeted markets for Indian films uh, released here in the United States. That pays off again in 119 theaters, took in $220,000. Titan, which is the Palme d'Or winner at Cannes, was on the chart last week in 474 theaters. It banks another $212,000. The documentary The Jesus Music, which is about uh, uh, Christian music, Music, was the number one film in limited release last week. It drops to number four this week in 270 theaters, but another $157,000. And then at number five is the movie After We Fell, which uh, it says you can see their week five in 149 theaters. And that's because the release structure on this film has been a little unconventional. It's been rolling out in Fathom event screenings over the past few weeks, which is why it doesn't always hit the charts because Fathom is reported in some places. It's not reported in other places. Um, but it should be mentioned because it has racked up some pretty healthy grosses. Uh, again, targeted markets, smaller screens, uh, exploiting the fan base for this film. Uh, it's number five this week with $131,000. It's building up to a streaming debut. This is kind of an adjusted strategy to get people uh, to watch uh, prior to the streaming debut. But this is a movie that's one of those kind of off-charts movies where it's been racking up grosses, uh, but they haven't always been hitting the charts because it's been unconventional, unconventional days, unconventional methods, but worth mentioning. Let's look outside the United States to the international box office. So these are uh, the box office figures for everywhere outside the domestic uh, market, which would be the United States and Canada. At number one is The Battle at Lake Chongjin, which is from China. We will look and see on the worldwide chart just how much this movie has made. It's a pretty staggering amount. Uh, it was the number one movie internationally with over $100 million this weekend alone. Keep in mind, this was not the opening weekend. No Time to Die internationally made another $89.5 million to be the number two film. Venom Let There Be Carnage made $24.8 million. My Country, My Parents, another Chinese film, is at number four with $19.6 million. And Dune, which is continuing its rollout overseas as we prepare for it here in a couple weeks, is at number five with $8.8 million. So when you take the domestic box office and the international box office, you smash them together, you get the top five worldwide films for this past weekend. And the number one film, strengthened by its debut here in the United States and Canada, is No Time to die $144.7 million worldwide this past weekend. The Battle at Lake Chungjin was then number two at $108.3 million. Venom Let There Be Carnage at $56.5 million. My Country, My Parents stays at number four with $19.6 million. And The Addams Family 2, largely driven by its domestic performance, is number five at $14.6 million. Because we've had these international films and we've had James Bond making his entrance into the stage, we've had a few shakeups here on the 2021 charts. Let's look first at the domestic charts for 2021 and you'll see that Venom Let There Be Carnage has moved all the way up from number 8 to number 5 this weekend so it is now the 5th highest grossing movie of the year uh, 2021 domestically it has made $145 million uh, so far so coming up this next week we're probably going to see it uh, pass A Quiet Place Part 2 we're probably going to see it pass uh, F9 the question is does it have about uh, let's say $70 million or so left in the tank to become the number one movie overall at the 2021 
2021 domestic box office. It is a very crowded box office marketplace this next month. We'll see if it can keep going. Free Guy drops one spot. Jungle Cruise drops one spot. Godzilla vs. Kong drops one spot. And then numbers 9 and 10, Cruella and Space Jam, A New Legacy stay the same, although this is going to be the last week where Space Jam is there. No Time to Die is going to supplant it this upcoming week. Numbers 1 through 4 stay the same as well. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Black Widow, F9, and A Quiet Place Part 2. But those are going to get shaken up in the next week as well. Looking at the 2021 worldwide chart, uh, we have No Time to Die entering the chart now at number nine. It has a global gross of $311.8 million. It will soon surpass Free Guy. It drops A Quiet Place Part 2 down to number 10, and that also drops Cruella off the 2021 worldwide box office altogether. Free Guy's at number eight. Black Widow's at number seven. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is at number six. Godzilla vs. Kong is at number five. And then I mentioned the Battle at Shang-Jin has grossed... This is... An astonishing number, $638.1 million in just a few weeks in China. It's now number four. It's going to surpass Detective Chinatown 3. It's got a shot at, at perhaps being the number one movie of the year uh, worldwide thus far. We'll see how much is left in the tank. We've mentioned before about the Chinese box office that you you tend to be a little bit front-loaded. Uh, there have been some questions, and I've seen a lot of people asking about reporting on this movie because the Chinese film industry does work a lot differently, especially with these films, which this was tied in to celebrate National Day, which is a celebration of the Communist Party in China. People saying, well, can you really rely on these numbers? Um, and the answer is, I don't really have any hard evidence saying that I can't rely on them. I understand why people are saying, uh, particularly with these, uh, some call them propaganda films. I don't think it's unfair to certainly call them uh, patriotic uh, uh, for uh, China uh, films. If there were something that, that came out or if, if something said that, you know, uh, you could point me to a piece of evidence that said that these numbers absolutely could not be believed or could not be trusted, then I would report that as well. But right now, you know, uh, I, 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 I'm covering the numbers as they're reported. Uh, and that number says that the Battle at Chongjin uh, is the number four movie of the year uh, worldwide in 2021. So we will continue to track that movie. Three of the top four 2021 movies now uh, from China with F9 at $716 million uh, at number two. Godzilla vs. Kong at number five. But we've got No Time to Die moving up. We'll also see how uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings goes, although it is uh, slowing down. So it's going to outgross Black Widow worldwide. It's outgrossed Black Widow domestically. Of course, the big question being uh, how much of that was made up by Black Widow with that digital revenue. Uh, Disney and legal documents has said it was at that time around $125 million. Of course, uh, that case has now been settled, so we're not going to probably get uh, any more disclosure from that because they did settle with Scarlett Johansson a couple weeks ago. Before we move on to the streaming charts, let's look at a box office flashback. I'd like to go to a previous weekend and just revisit what was number one. And we're going to go back to October 10th through 12th, 2003, which saw the debut of Kill Bill Volume 1, Quentin Tarantino's film, at $22 million dollars. In its second week, School of Rock was the number two film at $15.4 million. I like both of those movies. I'm a big fan. The film Good Boy debuted at $13.1 million. Then uh, the Coen Brothers film Intolerable Cruelty. So you had a new Quentin Tarantino film and a new Coen Brothers film out the same weekend. Intolerable Cruelty debuted at $12.5 million, good enough for number four. And Out of Time, starring Denzel Washington in its second week, rounded out the top five at eight point five. Million dollars. I love looking back and just seeing these different movies that hit theaters at the same time. You had a Richard Linklater movie, you had a Coen Brothers movie, you had a Tarantino movie, all milling around the box office at the same time. 
Before we go, as always, I like to look at the streaming charts to see what people are renting, buying, and watching at home. And we will start, as we always do, with Amazon. At number one is Free Guy. The rental window is open for Free Guy, so you don't have to purchase it. And it is number one on Amazon. F9 is at number two. Venom is at number three. Spectre is at four. So I guess a lot of people going back to watch the previous James Bond film, which, by the way, is a good idea if you haven't seen uh, No Time to Die yet. There is a heavy tie-in with all of the films, and especially Spectre. Candyman 2021 is still available premium video on demand. It's the fifth highest movie on Amazon. The Protégé, available for purchase, is at six. Don't Breathe 2, available premium video on demand at seven. M. Night Shyamalan's Old is now available for purchase, and it's good enough for number eight on the Amazon chart. Paw Patrol the Movie, available for rent. It's there at number nine. And A Quiet Place Part 2 is at number 10. As we look at the iTunes charts, what people are buying through the iTunes store, Free Guy is number one there as well, either as a purchase or a rental. I'm guessing the majority of those are probably rentals. Old Henry, which is a uh, Tim Blake Nelson movie we mentioned last week, it's available for rental and pre-order, so it's at number two on the iTunes charts. The Addams Family 2 is number three. It's available as a premium video on-demand rental in addition to theaters. Old is at number four, the purchase of Old. Venom is at number five. F9 is at six. Spectre also makes the iTunes chart at number seven. The Night House, which was in uh, a select number of theaters uh, just a few weeks ago, is now available for purchase on iTunes, so that makes the chart at number eight. Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins, available for purchase and rental at number nine, and Jungle Cruise, available for purchase at number 10. Let's look at the Netflix charts to see what people are watching uh, on Netflix this weekend. At number one is Squid Game, the Netflix original series. The global phenomenon continues. Coco Melon is at number nine. At number two is the Netflix series Made. At number nine is Coco Melon. Dave Chappelle, The Closer, uh, certainly in the news a lot this week. At number three, uh, we see there at number nine, Coco Melon. The Netflix original series On My Block is at four, followed by Coco Melon at number nine. Shameless, new episodes of Shameless debuting on Netflix. It's there at number five. Coco Melon is at nine. The Five Wannas is at number six, the Netflix original series. At number nine is Coco Melon. Midnight Mass, the Netflix series from Mike Flanagan, still on the chart uh, during the spooky Halloween season. At number seven. At number nine is Coco Melon. At number eight is The Guilty, a Netflix original movie. At number nine, for its 29th consecutive week, Coco Melon. This is crazy. And there's new episodes, I believe, that are hitting soon. So this isn't going anywhere soon, uh, taking up the number nine spot on the chart. At number 10 is The Blacklist, the NBC series, new episodes uh, added to that. And rounding out the chart at number nine is Coco Melon. And finally, let's look at the top 10 movies that people are watching on Netflix. The Netflix original movie, The Guilty, is at number one. Titanic is at number two. Uh, there's someone inside your house, which is just, I, I get creeped out just reading the title to this film. A Netflix original film is at number three. My Little Pony, The Next Generation is at number four. Something Borrowed is at number five. At number six is LOL Surprise, the movie, which is based on the popular dolls from MGA. Uh, that's the company that also brought you Bratz. Uh, LOL Surprise, the movie is only 47 minutes long, so... Maximum effort there. Step Brothers is at number seven. Pokemon the movie Secrets of the Jungle, a new Pokemon movie, is at number eight. Jumanji, the original, is at number nine. And 2010's Karate Kid is at number 10.
And that wraps up the show for this week. We have a big week in theaters coming up. Halloween Kills is hitting theaters. So uh, uh, the next sequel, the next installment in the Michael Myers slash Laurie Strode saga, The Last Duel also hitting theaters this next weekend. Uh, Muffin was not a fan of The Last Duel. I I think that she's the whole Ben Affleck, Matt Damon thing. I'm not really sure what's going on. We also have a lot of movies still coming into theaters. Dune, uh, Last Night in Soho. I'm going to be reviewing Halloween Kills as soon as I am able to. Uh, I won't be able to see it Thursday night or or immediately on Friday, but I'm going to get it to you this weekend as soon as I can. Also, DC Fandome coming up on Saturday. I'll be up watching that, and I'll be covering it uh, as news breaks and reacting to stuff that comes out. Thank you so much for watching the show. And again, to my audio audience, thank you so much for listening to the show, which is now going to be available weekly. If you want to check out the podcast channel, you can see all of the links in the description below here on YouTube. If you're listening to us and you want to see the visual of the show, you can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash Movies. Stay tuned next week. We're going to track uh, week two of No Time to Die. We're going to track week one of the new Michael Myers a slasher film. Thank you so much for watching. I will be back soon. Stay safe, and I'll see you next time. Bye.